following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, please visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. All right, everybody, clap your hands real big. Come on, clap your hands real big. Jesus is Lord over Austin. Yes, he is. I love your guppies. I really do. You, you folks just absolutely are a delight. The fact that you would take off from your jobs and get up from a dinner table and turn off whatever you turn off on the TV and walk out of a house and come to church and fight the traffic on a Wednesday night makes this pastor feel so good. And you know what? I'm just, I'm just the under-shepherd. Can you imagine how he feels about this? You imagine how he feels about this? You know, one Wednesday night, I think we're just going to have a good old brouhaha around here. A hullabaloo. You know what I mean? We're just going to have a good old time. We're going to bring Randy back to the piano one night, and I'm just going to sing till the cows come home. Because you folks are not through with your worship right now. You're not finished. And I think you ought to clap your hands real big one more time for the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. He's awesome. He's awesome. I love you. I love you tons. And uh, this is the best place that I know on a Wednesday night. So since it's the best place here, let's just go ahead and act like we're having the best time right here. It's a funny night tonight. First of all, I dress myself. One daughter's on a, on, a, on a little pregnancy getaway. It's her last time to get away before she has that baby in May. And so her husband took her out of town, and I congratulate that. But she's my little stitch fix girl. And she's the one that always looks at me and says, Dad, it didn't work. And I know there's some things with me tonight that don't work. But she's not here. And we're not filming tonight. We're just, we're just audio tonight. Thank you very much. And I want her to know when she hears this audio, I did it without you. Amen. And then my other daughter, Cassidy, and her husband were invited to Mexico on a little missions thingy. And uh, they're down there in Puerto Vallarta or whatever that is, Puerto Vallarta. And... Uh, and they sit and somebody's got a timeshare and they got to go free and, you know, it's pretty good. So that's where they are. My oldest girl has a dear friend in Ritter who is an arts director of her high school. And every year she goes to New York to view the arts. And Misty is her best female friend and they go to New York together. So Misty is headed to New York. So... I think the only grandkids that are here tonight, I see Caden in the house, and I see the three little ones of Brad and Cass. So thank you all for coming, because I'd have been by myself without you tonight. I want you to give a great hand to a dear friend of mine. He's sitting over here on the front row. His name is Matt. Would you stand? His name is Matt Martin right here. Matt. He is a, he's one of the pastors of North Rock Church, where Jonathan and Alicia went. And he was down there, and he and his wife, Jennifer, are there. And he's on a little R&R, and he's been fly fishing. And he called me and said, you having church tonight? I said, are we having church tonight? Yeah, we're having church. And he wanted to come over and be with us, so I'm happy to have him. We're doing communion tonight. 
and we're happy that you're here. I love communion with the people of God. I love communion with God himself. So what a joy to be here. Would you stand? Last week, we talked about becoming the person. And today, tonight, we're going to talk about becoming, everybody say becoming, very great. Say very great. Not just great, very great. There's a man in the Bible that became very great. And he's somebody that you wouldn't think would be very great, but he became very great. He's in the middle of Abraham and Jacob. His name is Isaac. And he became very great. So what's his plan? What's his purpose? How did he get there? I want this church to not just be great. I want this church to be very great. And I don't want you as a child of God just to have greatness. I want you to be very great. I want you to be on top of it, not on the bottom side, but on the top side of it. I think we can live lives of triumph, not just victory, but triumph. And God is going to help us. So from Genesis chapter 26, then Isaac sold in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. Everybody say in the same year a hundredfold. Folks, that's a bumper crop. And the Lord blessed him and the man waxed great and he went forward and grew until he became that's your book. That's the one that's Abraham's son. And uh, that's amazing. I love that because he don't get preached about a lot. Everybody say, becoming very great. Turn to somebody beside you. Say, I want to help the preacher. And you may be seated. You're awesome people. Have a sit down. There's a world of difference, folks, between better and best. There's a world of difference between good and excellent. There's a world of difference between amateur and pro. Years ago, because of my friend Mike Tuminella and another friend named Terry Creekmore, I got into racquetball. And after being hit 47 times <laughs> on the leg, on the back of the head, even upside the head, I decided I'd stick with golf. And I, I one day went to a, a gym in St. Louis, Missouri, and I watched some pros play Racquetball. I saw the number one ranked pro in America play against the number four rank and the number seventh rank and the number 15th rank, and they were playing doubles. And the one and the 15 were taking the four and the seven. And I've never seen the ball hit so hard and with so, so much power and yet so much placement. And I walked out of there and I said, You know what? That's not me. I realized I was an amateur. Amateur and pro are a whole lot different. Somebody said they played a golf course that Phil Mickelson shot 61 on on his, last, on his last Sunday round. He was my nephew. He came by to see me today, and he said there was a 650-yard hole that he hit a driver and a three-iron to four feet and made eagle. And he said, I was still struggling to get it there in five strokes, Uncle Rex. There's a difference in amateur and pro. The best amateurs pale in comparison to professionals in any given field. Natural talent will take you a long way. It really will. But it takes years of work to transform that natural talent into true greatness. And in this passage, the Bible makes a distinction between great and very great. Between the greatness of a one-time blessing. Everybody say one-time blessing. And the greatness one grows into from that blessing. There is greatness that can come from a one-time miracle of God. 
How many have been blessed by a miracle from God? Come on, let's, let's talk a little bit tonight. You know what I'm talking about, a healing, a salvation, a deliverance, something happened in your family. But past that, there is a greatness that is beyond. And it is not just great, it is very great. So Isaac sold and basically had a one bumper crop that came strictly by the blessing of the Lord, a hundredfold. And God blessed him and he knocked it out of the park. Now Isaac has a choice to make. He can ride out this blessing, this bumper crop for as long as he can, or he can do what it takes to take the blessing of God that has made him great and use it to transition to true greatness. See, the body of Christ needs a real understanding about true greatness. Put it on the screen. True greatness is not bestowed. It is grown into. It's not bestowed. One can live a long time off of one bumper crop, one lottery, one great healing, one great salvation moment. You can coast a long time on potential. You can stretch a blessing a long way, but it will not get you from great to very great. I speak on this concept now and I want to talk to you and I'm liable to get beside myself a few times tonight, so please don't think I've lost my mind, okay? I feel like talking. Isaac, everybody say, went forward. There is no other place to go after God gives you something awesome in your life than forward. And if you're in this house and God is touching, you went down in the waters of baptism and he's brought you up in the newness of life. There's only one way to go and that's go forward. Come on, you gotta move, you gotta go forward. There are miracles of survival and miracles of prosperity. And Isaac moved forward from survival to prosperity. Hear this. God gave Israel in the wilderness what we call survival miracles. Water from a rock. Bread from the sky. Miraculous? Yes. But they were still living on bread and water. It's kind of like prisoner food, isn't it? Bread and water. Then he takes them to the land of promise. And they have flocks. And they have herds, and they have vineyards, and they have houses, and they have milk, and they have meat, and they have wine, and they have fruit, and they have a whole lot better than water and bread. But this miracle of prosperity means that now they have to work. Oh, there's a word. You know, the only place that success comes before work is in the dictionary, don't you? Some of you need to get up off of your do-nothing and start doing something. Come on now, it's time, it's time to roll. See, you can't roll out of bed now and scrape breakfast off the ground. You can't do it. When you move from great to very great, you're moving from survival to prosperity. But it also means that you are moving from getting everything handed to you to a place where you're making things happen in your life. Oh, I love walking in this. See, the lie of prosperity doctrine is that life at the very great level happens the same way that it happens at the great level. That's a lie. It doesn't. God will give you survival miracles to keep you from starving to death. But that is not where he wants you to live. Let me preach to you. God may give your marriage a blessing to keep it from crashing, but you have to work to make it awesome. God may touch your finances to keep you from getting evicted, but you better manage your blessing if you want financial freedom. Let me preach now. Let me preach now. God may miraculously deliver you from bondage, but you better learn discipline if you want to live in perpetual freedom. 
Some of you need to get out of bondage and stay out of bondage. Don't put your foot back in bondage. Don't put your hand back in bondage. Come on, get out of it. Live for God. Walk in faith and walk in liberty. Yeah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Somebody said, God, I've never heard this man preach. He's crazy. No, no, no. If you knew my story, if you knew my story, you'd say, man, I want to hear some more of that. Because I know what it is to get up out of bondage and walk in freedom. And I'm not going back to that feeling. I'm not going back there. This is what I love. That's behind me. Very great's in front of me. And I'm going to walk to the very great life that God has for me. I'm going to keep walking. Come on now. Come on now, somebody. I'm going to put three things on the screen one at a time. Survivor miracles are for a limited time. But prosperity miracles are perpetual. They just keep reproducing. Survival miracles are strictly God's doing. Prosperity involves you and him. Survival miracles happen to you. Prosperity miracles happen because of you. Uh, There's a difference in great and very great. And God spoke to me when I started studying this and said, tell the church that they are a great church. That it's a wonderful place. But this is the year. I want to take this church from great To very great. I want to see miracles in the house every time we get together. I want to see salvation flow through this house like a river. I want to see deliverance come to people. I want to see drugs get out of your veins and alcohol get out of your liver. I want to see something happen in your life. That's not just great. Oh, we had great church. No, we had very great church. See, the choice is between a great past and a great future. Isaac went forward from being a guy with a great story to a guy with a great future. Amen? And that blessing, that bumper crop, that hundredfold blessing he got in the first year, that thing that miraculously fell from the sky is only going to last so long. I call it the lottery blessing. It's the lottery blessing. It really is. And the longer it's been since that blessing, the less strength you have in your life. And you're going to have to decide if you always want to live rejoicing over what happened or planning something that will happen. It's time to pack your bags. We're going forward. Come on. It's time to pack your bags. We're going forward. We're leaving that world behind. Come on. We're leaving that world behind. We're not going there anymore. We're not going back. We're not going back. We're going forward in the name of the Lord. Clap your hands real big. That spiritual breakthrough, that touch, that revelation, that financial blessing, that opportunity, that talent, that reprieve that has come to you. Those blessings only have so much life in them. There's just a shelf life with them. And every person has to decide between a great story that happened one time or you'll decide to move forward and become very great. I know I'm saying it a lot, but I mean it. People who do not move forward become one hit wonders. They're flash in the pans. They're shooting stars. 
And when you move forward from being great to very great, you're moving from being a person with a great past to a person with a great future. So here's the question. Am I a person of potential or am I a person of achievement? I want to preach here. I put it in my notes, preach. (laughs) The miracles that God has given many this last month, this first month of 2019, have been overwhelming. In our prayer, in our 21 days of prayer, we had a prayer line one Friday, the last Friday, and 150 people came through. And many people went in wanting something in their life and came out was something greater than what they asked for going in. You know I'm telling the truth. And so many of them went around the second time and said, I want some more of that. What I'm asking you to do is to be like you're in a prayer line continually. Get up in the morning and say, God, this is what I need today. I'm going forward. And when he starts giving you something that you didn't even expect, get in the line again and come on through the second time because God's got something awesome for you. Come on. The miracles that he's given many of you in January tells everybody that there's no telling what this people in this house could become. But God deserves more than the one bumper crop of blessing. We need to become more than promise and potential. The Bible calls such people empty clouds that promise much but carry no rain. That's what the book of Jude said. And God expects so much out of our life. In Genesis, the very first command was for Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. Say fruitful and multiply. (laughs) Among the harshest rebukes in the Bible and the condemnations headed out in Scripture is the one given to the servant who buried his one talent and made no effort to multiply it. I believe he was cast into outer darkness. And I want to preach to this church right now. Let me talk to you as a pastor. I don't care if you don't think you have any ability, any gifts, Many of you would like to be on this stage and sing. Many of you would like to be up here preaching like pastor or better. But I want to tell you something. It doesn't matter if you don't have but one talent. Don't bury it this year. Don't put it in the ground this year. Amen. Don't bury it. Multiply it. Multiply it. Go from great to very great. Let the end of this year be, my God, pastor, I cannot believe how God has blessed our family how God has turned our life toward things that we never thought were possible. I want to hear those kind of testimonies and I'm preaching about that tonight. It's time to become very great in the kingdom of God. Clap your hands real big. I want this church, I want this church to move from survival to prosperity. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you get up in the morning and say, oh God, if I can just make it through the day. No, you need to get up and say, wow, I love I love the the story about I love the story about the man that said, Oh God, it's morning. And the other one said, Oh God, it's morning. <laughs> you need to get up every morning and say, Devil, it's morning. And I'm going to walk all over your kingdom today because I'm not going to be in survival mode anymore. I'm going to be very great. Come on, I'm going to be very great. I'm going to be very great. I want those two words to stick in your mind. I'm going to be very great in the kingdom of God. Let me speak to you about the mechanics of the move. The Bible said that Isaac went forward and he grew. So lesson number one, everybody say move forward. Move forward. Move forward. 
You have to learn to get over stuff. There's a lot of you that's had a lot of bad stuff happen in your life. And you say, Pastor, I don't see how I can get over it. You got to get over it. You got to say, I'm, gonna, I'm getting over that. And some of you have had great things happen in your life and you want to build three tabernacles like Pete on top of the mountain. But you got to get over that also. Because Jesus didn't let them be three tabernacles. There was something greater than those three tabernacles. And it came on a day called Pentecost. Come on now. And I'm declaring to this congregation, don't you stop. Don't you stop. Don't you stop. It reminds me of a little story. I had a pastor friend of mine that going to take his kids to Yellowstone to see Smokey the Bear. You know what I mean? He'd set them up for Smokey the Bear. And when, when they got in their, their, their motor home and they was headed to, 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 to Yellowstone... They stopped one night. The kids were all asleep at a little roadside park and they slept the rest of the night, the mom and dad, and they had all the curtains pulled. And outside in that little roadside park was a little cage and had two old, two old bears that were just barely getting along. They were just there for show. They're just there to let you know that you're on your way to Yellowstone, hallelujah, and we're here to represent. <laughs> and the next morning, one of the kids woke up because he had slept all night and he looked out the curtain and he said, Mom and Daddy, wake up. We're at Yellowstone. I see the bears. And they got up there and they looked. And the daddy started laughing. And he said, Son, you think this is Yellowstone? And he looked at his dad, about seven years old. He looked at his dad and he said, Dad, if this is Yellowstone, I'm ready to go home. <laughs> Some of you think that because you're halfway to what God has for you and you see a few bears in a cage, that you've reached your destiny? No, 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 no. You wave goodbye to those bears in that cage because Smokey's still waiting on you in Yellowstone. Amen? And it's time for us to understand that we're not there yet. Come on. This is February. Come on, it's February. It's the first Wednesday of February. We're moving forward. We're going forward. We're going forward. We've got to move forward. You've got to get in motion if you're going to move. Bodies in motion tend to stay in motion. And bodies at rest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. My wife's got a recliner at home and I love it. And when she is not looking, I get in it. It's hers, but I, but I get in it and I, I put my blue bell beside me and I get in it. And it's hard. It's hard to get up out of that thing. It's hard to get up. It's one of the finest recliners you'll ever lay back in in your life. You don't even worry about TV. You don't worry about anything. You're just there and you say, oh God, this is awesome. And there's a lot of people that's reclined in the spirit. And you're just saying, oh God, the preacher said something tonight, but I missed what he said. Why don't you push that button and get your hide up out of that chair? In fact, my mother had a chair that you pushed the button and it pushed you right up to a standing position. I want to push a button in your chair tonight and say, I want you to get up from the relaxed posture and get up and start standing up and say, this is going to be my year. Come on. This is going to be my year. I'm going to become very great. Come on, I'm going to become very great. You've got to move forward. Philippians 3 said, Paul said, one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and straining toward what's ahead, I press toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Lesson number two, you've got to not only move forward, you've got to grow. Everybody say grow. As you're moving forward, you need to be growing. Not this way, but spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. I don't want to bog down here, but the curse of the church is too many people that get born again, never grow one iota in Jesus Christ in their life. It's their bumper crop when they get born again. 
And they remained the same little spiritual child. They were the day they got saved. They grew up in church, but not in God. And they want people to spoon feed them, especially the preacher, and wipe the drool from the corners of their mouth. It's time to grow. You need to read a book. You need to find an experience. You need to grow in your life. Everybody say grow. If you don't, you, you, you know the bonsai tree doesn't grow hardly any in the first five years and it just jumps up. I want, it, I want this to be your fifth year. If you've been a bonsai for a long, I want you to jump up out of the ground this year and I want you to grow. I want to be looking up at you next year and say, wow, you've come a long way, baby. It's time for you to move yourself and grow in the kingdom of God. Say amen. amen. Hebrews 5 said, in fact, by this time you ought to be teachers. But some of you still need someone to teach you the simple truth of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk is still an infant. It's not acquainted with teachings about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Let me ask you a question. Do you know good from evil tonight? Do you know what's good and what's evil? Does somebody still have to say, you know, that's not good. You don't need to go there. That's good. You need to go there. It's time to start discerning what's good and evil. And that's how you grow. Come on, that's how you grow. Growth would solve the majority of problems in marriages, in businesses, in church, and in a person. The mechanics of the move from great to very great is move forward and to grow. And I'm going to give you three simple steps, and we're going to take communion. It don't take me long to get it said. It's just 8.15. Genesis 26. The Bible said that he dug out his dad's well. Three simple steps. Everybody say he dug out his dad's well. And Isaac dig, digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. You hear me. There's a lot of things that want to plug up the well of your life. They want to stop it. To be truly great you have to dig out the old wells. Now I'm fixing to preach a little bit here. See the past holds the answers to the future. There are things that worked way back when that will still work today. I know times change and methods change and practice and cultures change and no one is more aware of that than me. Yet I also understand that some truth is timeless and some lessons have already been learned and there is no need to make the same mistakes again. I want to preach a little. If praying and waiting in an upper room Hallelujah. On God gave birth to a church in the book of Acts and the Holy Ghost came and filled all 120 of them and 3,000 more were added to the church that day and 5,000 a few days later. It's time to dig that well again. I want to preach to this congregation right now. Holy Ghost, you're welcome in this house. Come on, help me right now. Holy Ghost, you're welcome in this house. Holy Ghost, you're welcome in this house. Come on, come on. You're welcome in this house. You're welcome in this house. When Ezekiel went to the valley of dry bones, the Lord said, can these bones live? He said, thou knowest God. He said, prophesy to the bones, and he did. And the Bible said they started coming together, bone to bone, sinew to sinew, and they, they joined together, and they were a mighty army. But they were still dead. And then he said, prophesy to the wind. There's a lot of people preaching to dead bones. Trying to put people, oh, hallelujah, together. 
trying to form some kind of committee to make people better. But there's only one thing that'll bring an army of believers together. It's when a pastor prophesies to the wind, the Holy Ghost. And I'm declaring to this congregation on the first Wednesday of this year, of this month, come on, it's time for the Holy Ghost to take over in our services and the Holy Spirit to baptize every believer and the Holy Ghost to run through this place and the Holy Ghost to baptize people and the Holy Ghost to heal and the Holy Ghost to renew and the Holy Ghost to save and the Holy Ghost to bless us. Hallelujah. I don't want to hurt your feelings. I really don't. But somebody has got to dig that well. There's a story in the Bible about a woman who was a queen named Athaliah. You can find it in the word. She wanted to kill all the seed royal. And a seven-year-old boy named Joash was crowned king. And he was crowned before she knew it. And she comes into the house of God where he was crowned. He had been hidden there for seven years. She couldn't find him, so she couldn't kill him. And when he got crowned, she walked in. And she started screaming treason, treason. This is not right. I'm the queen and I, I'm supposed to have the say. And the Bible said that the people came in and they were worshiping and praising. And they took the weapons of past victories off the wall that were on the walls of the house of God. Weapons that won victories. And they took those weapons and they destroyed the woman in the house of God. They took her life and they took her out and buried her. Here's what I want to declare. There is no enemy that can come in this house and scream treason because there's too many victories on the walls of this church. There's too many healings and too many miracles and too many things that's happened in this church in the last 29 years. Come on now. Come on now. Come on now. Hallelujah. And those miracles and those victories will defeat anything that says that we can't have a move of God and we can't dig the old wells in our lives. Say amen. amen. First Samuel 21, David was on the run from his enemies and stopped in the temple for food. And he asked the priest for a weapon. And the priest said, the sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom you slew in the valley of Elah, behold, it's wrapped in an ephod a cloth behind the ephod. The ephod was a garment of praise. If you'll take that, take it, for there is none other save it here. And David said, there is none like it. Give it to me. And David took the sword of the man that he had slain in the valley of Elah. If it worked for to slay a giant, it will deliver now. And what worked to bring that first blessing, what worked this thus far, what gave birth to passion in your life the first time, you may need to go dig up some old experiences at an altar. You may need to go dig up some old burdens of ministry that you've buried in your busy life. You may need to dust off a vision of your life you used to have. And you need to dig out dad's old well. It's amazing what can come. Revelation 3 said to the angel of the church in Sardis write, I know your deeds and have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. He said, wake up and strengthen what remains. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard and obey it and repent. If you're, if you're staggering in your spirit, your passion, your vision, and, and hope is about to die, remember what you have received and what you have heard. Somewhere in your past, you heard a sermon. You heard from God. You received that bumper blessing. You received a one-time crop and ministry and a vision for your life. Go back and dig it up. The past is the key to your future. 
Here's what I'm telling you. If God healed you then, he can still heal you now. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Marriages endured. Responsible kids were raised in those days. Values were passed on. Great economies were built. Great neighborhoods, great churches. If you do not value the past, you will never be significant in the future. You better understand that wherever you are headed starts in that old well of yesterday. The second thing, I'm almost finished. The second is not as near as long as the first. You need to search for a spring. Everybody say a spring. Genesis 26, and Isaac's servants dug in a valley and found there a well of springing water. I need dad's wells, but I also need a spring. I need something fresh and current in my life. If I'm going to arrive at a place of being very great, it will be because I searched for and found a spring of strength and a refreshing and an anointing and a hope. David said it this way, anoint me with fresh oil. Don't give me some rancid oil. Give me some fresh oil. Hallelujah. And every time you walk in the house of God, you need to say, Lord, anoint me tonight with fresh oil. I need something springing up in my life every day. Instead, God could have have taken Israel from water hole to water hole in the wilderness, but instead he gave them a rock that followed them with water gushing because God knew that you needed a spring to get to your destiny. Hallelujah. Please hear me. Some of you would have us dig out dad's well, then camp out there. That's right. But this is not the same world that those wells ministered to. Our day, we need a spring that's current, that's fresh, that is right now. We need a rhema, not just a logos. We need fresh worship. We need a new song to sing. Have you ever just got up in the morning and said, Hi, oh, wow, yeah, I love the Lord. Hallelujah. Boy, if Randy could hear me now. And just start singing a new song. When I get in the shower sometime, don't even think about that, but when I get in the shower sometime, <laughs> I start singing. I think I use zest soap, but I start singing, oh, zest, you're the best. I just start singing new songs. I'd really do this because I want to sing a new song. I want a fresh spring in my life. I want something to help me. I've been battling some disease and some problems in my life, but I'm feeling good in the Holy Ghost tonight. I feel good in the Holy Ghost tonight. I really do because I'm going to sing. I'm, I'm going to move forward. I'm going to dig dad's old wells and I love the Holy Ghost, what it's doing, but I need a spring in my life. I need something that'll spring up. You know, some pray certain songs. I mean, pray certain prayers and some like only certain songs and certain modes of worship and certain preachers and ministries. We only shout and rejoice over certain revelations. We need a spring by which God can send us new direction, new revelation, new strength for new challenges. God, give us all a spring. I'm not contradicting what I just preached about digging your dad's wells, but I watched kids one day in a park, swing in the park, and I got a glimpse of what the church has to do to become a force in this world. You ready? I'm I'm about done. I got an idea for the motion individuals will have to take if they're going to be relevant and significant and very great. When a kid's on a swing, he leans way back. He grips firmly on the chains, and then they kick hard forward again and again and again. And that repeated process of leaning way back and gripping the chains and kicking forward propels them higher and higher and higher. 
If we as a church can learn to lean way back on the foundation of the apostles, the foundation of the early church, lean way back on truth dug out by a generation that desired nothing more than the will of God on earth. Maybe they were blind in some areas. Maybe they did stress some things too much, but never doubt their sense and passion for God. If we can lean way back, say lean way back, but at the same time, grip the chains of the present. Never lose grasp of the world we must minister to. Never, lay, uh, never, never lose touch with the reality we occupy. Don't lean so far back that we're not relevant in our time. Keep a firm grasp on the present and then kick hard to the future. Lead the way into change. Don't wait for society to change. Don't do that. But move ahead of the curve with righteous integrity. Hollywood folks and online nastiness and pornography do not need to be the bellwethers of modern technology. Godless think tanks and humanistic organizations do not need to be the loudest voices in the new ethical arguments. Those positions belong to the church and to Christians. Lean back on the past. Grip the present and kick into the future and you will become very great in your life. Come on, clap your hands. That's good stuff. I close. Randy, help me. Help me, Randy. The third thing, and I want to stress this, become an altar builder. Build an altar. Abraham built seven. Genesis 26 said, and Isaac built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent where that altar was, folks. He lived by his altar. He didn't put that altar there and move 40 miles away. He pitched his tent right there. We need to be close to an altar. Isaac built an altar, a place where he could come in contact with God. And he pitched a tent in the place where he communed with God. There's no greatness without God at the center of your life. I can't tell you how happy I'm, 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 I'm done. I can't tell you how happy I have become over the beautiful turnout for 21 days of prayer. And the Lord laid on my heart about this. He said, there's 365 days in the year. And I think Reed and I were talking about it. Maybe the Lord didn't lay it on my heart. Maybe laid it on Reed's heart. And Reed told me. I want to give credit where credit's due. But 36 days of prayer would be a tithe to the year. So we prayed 21. We're going to pray seven more in a holy week. That's 28. We're going to pray seven more when school picks back up. That's 35. And then the Lord told me to tell y'all, we're going to have a big old Saturday morning one day with a big old hullabaloo of praise and worship and prayer. And listen, and listen, and breakfast tacos and donuts and bluebell. That'll get you out here. I want this church to build an altar and put your tent right there. God, I love, I love to see you pray. My family never went to bed. And Reed can tell you the truth. When he was a grandchild of them, he would go to mom and dad's house and they would always kneel and pray. And God, mama could pray long prayers. And me and Eddie many times would go to sleep. They'd have to put us to bed. She could pray that long. But we never went to bed. And what I used to think was not good, 
I look back now and think, wow. What a joy to have a mom and dad that prayed. They put something in me. We, we built our tent at an altar. We built our lives around that altar. And that may be the reason I'm preaching the gospel today. We built our lives there. Come on, people. I told somebody, they came to me one day and they said, you know, Pastor, I, I just can't pray. Then they gave me about a 10-minute diatribe of why they couldn't pray. And I said, my Lord, you've been talking my head off for 10 minutes. Won't you just tell that to God? He can hear it better than I can. Just talk to him. And it works. And I know I said that in a sermon recently, but it just works. Just talk to him. Hey, hey, Father, you doing all right up there? What's it like? You go talking to him? It'll happen. Because there's nothing like communication with him. Everybody say it's time to dig a well. It's time to find a spring. It's time to build an altar. Church that prays together stays together. Stand to your feet, you're awesome people. Clap your hands real big. Come on, clap your hands. Receive the word tonight. Receive the word tonight. Receive the word tonight. I'm not going to tell you who it was, but I got a $100 bill at the door tonight. Anybody want it? You're not, you can't have it. But. And, and the person said, even though it's late birthday wishes, happy birthday, Pastor. And I'm going to take my wife out and we're going to go eat. Mighty fine. I'm teasing. But Listen to me. Everybody say, Pastor, I want to dig the old well. I want to find a living spring. I want to build an altar. That's how you become very great. So let me know. Let me let you know. Successful in every way that matters. Dig dad's well. Search for a spring and build an altar. You'll become very, very great. Everybody say, very great. So it's, it's at this first Wednesday. I want you to take out your cup. It's at this first Wednesday. Brother Matt, do you have one? Thank you. It's at this first Wednesday that we're going to take communion. Once again, I'm overwhelmed at the beautiful crowd here tonight. I thought I was going to do this by myself. My family's not here y'all showed up you're my family and as long as you come I'll give you the best I have and I feel the Lord in this house right now so open up open up your cup take out your bread now you that have never taken communion with us this is not going to taste good don't expect Mrs. Barrett's oven here okay it's not good it's unleavened it's got a little got a little styrofoam taste but it's it's his body that was broken for us and we're going to receive it tonight in remembrance of what he did for us are you happy he went to a cross are you thankful he said father forgive them for they know not what they do are you thankful that he said not my will into your hands I commend my spirit now listen 
want you to open your mouth. I want you to receive it tonight. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Boy, let's get to the juice, huh? Now I want you to open the fruit of the vine. And this is the part that kind of messes with me. This messes with me. Because this represents his blood that was shed. I've never shed my blood for anybody. I believe I'd lay down my life for this church. I believe I would. But I've never had to shed blood for anybody. But Jesus shed blood for us before we were ever born. I think we ought to raise our cup to him tonight and say, I honor you, sweet Jesus. Now receive it in the name of the Lord.